Restraint, that'd be my word, is I'm not trying to do too much with anything. And that's still my sort of food today, like restraint. Like if you have to put 100 things on the plate to make something taste nice, then for me, you know, the, 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 what you started with isn't right. Yo, we're back. We're back, baby. Back again. There's a cheesy Eminem somewhere, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I was just listening to Eminem at the gym. Alright, nice. I, yeah, I don't know why. I'm lucky you working in I go to the gym. Yeah, yeah. I started working that, and I sort of think, you yeah, know, things are my, getting serious. Three hundredth push up. I just thought, oh, that's Eminem. Playing. I feel like Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't even out of breath. <laughs> Fuck it. Good to be back. Oh, I keep getting to, Maria, Maria's going mad that we swear so much in the intros, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just how we talk. That's the whole vibe we've got going on. It's good to be back, man. Yeah, it's been a break. It's an unintended break. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So we'll explain where the hell we've been for the last few weeks. We wanted this episode to come out a few weeks ago. I was always planning to go to Ireland for Easter, have two, over two, maybe three weeks off or something like that. Uh, but then my laptop broke before I went to Ireland, which caused me stress and made me want to throw a laptop at a wall. Yeah, uh, I swore lots of times. Got that sorted, went to Ireland, and now we're back. So that's where we've been, if you've missed us. Yeah. We're back, we're back. We might take breaks, but don't worry, we'll always be back. We love doing this, man. So while I was in Ireland, looks like you have been having a fucking spectacular time. Mate, I've been everywhere. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I was just looking at social, like, ah, he's out again. <laughs> you know what, it was Easter, and then there was, the kids were off, so I booked time off, and you know what it's like, you book time off, you want to make the most of it, yeah. so I've eaten loads of places. I was going to say, I'm making the most of it for us, it's going out and eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we've some cracking food, we'll go over them over time. But Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll stick most of it on the, um, the newsletter now, so obviously if you haven't subscribed to that. Breaking Bread Bite Size, all the links will be in the notes. Go and subscribe to that and have a look at that newsletter. We'll tell you where we've been, places we recommend, all that jazz. Yeah, a lot of the places place we've been before, Isaac's, mm. Cocktail Bar at the Grand Mandalay, Rabina again, which is always fantastic, Pizza, mm. you know, all the usual places. But I've been somewhere brand new, somewhere in Solihull. Yeah. A bit of a link to the podcast. I was going to say, well. you're building that up. <laughs> We're going to talk a lot about him now for the next Yeah, start, people have clicked on like his picture to get on the podcast, <laughs> so they know what's going on. But now I've got to eat there at Toff's, Sully Hall. Yeah, man. Very lucky. So uh, this episode is with the awesome Rob Palmer, the owner of yeah, Lubar Toff's. <laughs> it's not the yeah, new Yeah, set up a place in Sully Hall. Most people probably you. know him from Peel's, Hampton Manor, where he won a Michelin star. Um, just massive talent. And the fact that it's decided now to open up in Salihull is just... You know what, I, I think we messaged each other, we were like, yes, finally Salihull is a decent restaurant. <laughs> you know what, it's got a couple of good bits. It's got good cocktail bar, some street food, yeah. Indian food is all good. It's nice to see just a nice fucking restaurant open up there. Yeah, somewhere that you can go for your birthdays and wedding you know anniversaries. What? We know stuff behind the scenes and there's more coming to Solio. It's nice to see Solio's finally going somewhere and you've got mm. Solio Council, 
and Solio bid team, they're really putting a push in from what I can gather. Oh, Solio bid, um, Tony, I think it's mentioned a few times in the podcast. Yeah. Uh, they're doing a lot really... to make Solio better and they're doing a good job, to be honest. Yeah, hats off to them. Like, it's about time as well. well there's at least two places opening that's going to make a big difference on top of Tops. So the delay in the podcast coming out has actually helped you because you managed to go and eat them, man. What's yeah, it like? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. I yeah. treat, did a treat day, so I just went by myself for a lunch, booked a day off work. Which I think is a freaking amazing idea, man. <laughs> I don't think we take enough time to ourselves like when we're adults. Well, that's you know? it. Like, I love, I've got no issue going to a nice restaurant by myself. Mm. I know some restaurants don't like it because that's usually a table for two you're sitting on. Mm. But I was reading quotes from your man from St. John's down in London he's like it's the biggest compliment you can give a restaurant because one there's no distraction mm. you're not gone there just to do something you've gone there because you want to eat their food and he often goes and eats everywhere on his own anyway yeah. <laughs> so I've got no drama eating somewhere by myself yeah I mean hey, but it was it great, but to be honest it didn't feel like I was by myself because I was sat on the pretty much on the pass <laughs> <laughs> you were like, nearly mucking in with like the, I was uh, in there I could see everything going on so I was chatting to Robbie who happened to be in front of me the whole time Standout course? Uh, the Duck. The main, yeah. sort of main star of the show there is The Duck. Mm. You know, I've got to give you Bread a shout out as well, because, I mean, it was all good, but that Duck course is something else. Yeah. Roasted on the A lot brown. of people talking about his bread, you know. You know, he makes his own brown sauce as well. Yeah. Rob's brown sauce is crazy good. Palmer's brown sauce, maybe that's a new thing for the future. So you need get to, him on Amazon. As soon as I tried it, I was like, you got to bottle this, mate. Yeah. But he says on the podcast that sourdough is like, I think he said the start from the sourdough has been there since it started at Peels or maybe even before then. It's just crazy. It's not like a normal sourdough. It's more like a crumpet, bready sourdough. It's like a, until you have it, it's very hard to sort of describe, but it's, I've not had much bread like that, put it that way. It's no. very good. Oh, awesome. Man. Finally, Salio has something to celebrate. Please get out there and support it because... You know, once something good comes along, all of a sudden, lots more seems to follow. Yes, so please go out and support it. Listen to this podcast with Rob. If you enjoy it, as ever, give us a like, rate, review, all that jazz. I've said that twice. Yeah, <laughs> it's doubly important. That's I don't why. know why I'm talking about jazz so much. <laughs> <laughs> never heard the word jazz used so much. I know, I don't even, I've never any music used involved. jazz. <laughs> and yeah. all that jazz. But you know the crack. Just tell us how much you love us. Because we have fragile egos. Yeah, I want to know, man. <laughs> tell me. And uh, especially, go and tell Rob. Go and tell Rob. Say, Rob, listen, I heard you on Breaking Barefoot. You're awesome. Because that's a massive compliment to the show as well. Yeah. I want book up and go, man. Because that place is going to get very busy definitely, very quickly. Definitely book up and go. Please. The longer it's there, the harder it's going to be to get a place there. Same yeah. thing happened with Upstairs Yeah. in Litchfield. I didn't book early on. And now, like, I think this booking's open for Christmas. Yeah like it's that fully booked so just get in while you can yeah man so ladies and gentlemen Rob Palmer yeah typical podcast fashion man. I'm already recording so oh, there we go we're away <laughs> that's us uh, fresh out the uh, I don't know I was going to call it what are they called fresh out the fryer they were the horses what are they called <coughs> traps. Oh, the, the gate traps. The traps. there yeah, we go traps that's the dogs the yeah so better let everyone know who we're talking to it's uh rob rob palmer how are you doing mate? i'm good thanks yourselves yeah good was in former head chef of uh, michelin star peels yeah you took it to michelin star wasn't yeah. michelin star before you got there no just saying 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't. But they've, we'll uh, get to that, man. they've retained it this year as well, so I'm pleased for them because the two lads there work for me, so it's good news. That's great to see you to say that, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you weren't just born a Michelin star chef opening your own restaurant. Uh, how did it all start, man? Um, in terms of getting into cooking, I don't really know. I just sort of enjoy cooking and then thought, might as well try and do it as a career. I did it straight from school. It wasn't like I fell into it. I didn't want to do it, um, which is quite strange. Well, a lot of chefs quite often fall into it, don't they? Mm-hmm. But I did choose it as a career choice and then sort of just, yeah, went for it. And then obviously 17, 18 years I've been in the industry now. I thought, why not? Let's do it. What was it that made you want to like get into cooking? Like, just look like an easy job. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I was a tech job. I've asked this question. Job, I, was, I thought, yeah, I could. That's easy. I enough. think it's because uh, when probably when I was a kid, sort of cooking was just coming on the telly quite a bit, wasn't it? And it probably did look a bit more pretty cool and a bit more glamorous than than it actually is. But ready uh, steady cook. Yeah, well, they might, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you had Ramsey. Yeah, you seen Ramsey. Fuck this. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah, I'm having a bit of that. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, it probably looks a little bit more glamorous and thought, yeah, why not? But yeah, that's what I say to people. I mean, I don't really know. That might not be it, but I just enjoy cooking as well at home. So, Was your family good cooks and stuff? Or? That's, that's because <laughs> what I say. My mum no, was a half-decent cook. My nan, her, her mum was a really good cook. Um, and my mum, she was all right. She did decent roast dinner and decent meals in the week. Her brother was a butcher in a wholesale in town, so he used to get every month, like, he used to turn up with her. A shitload of meat, and he's uh, all right to swear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's turned up with a shitload of meat once a month and sort of fill the freezer up, and it's like everything's so like awful, all the old school stuff. And so I grew up, so I grew up eating like liver and heart and stuff like that. And I still love it now, to be fair. The only thing I can't eat is brain sort of thing is that turn his brain's head they're just wrong yeah i need to try lamb brains but i've got man, a recipe for don't. lamb brain st <laughs> <laughs> john's recipe and i'm like oh, should i give it a go and the missus like well you'd be the only fucker doing it yeah lamb's hearts and livers and stuff oh, i love it i love it but mm. brains in there it's unusual for a kid to like have you got kids now or yeah would they eat any of that no nah. <laughs> what about tripe you eat tripe uh nah i had it uh, i'm not going to mention where but a really good like, a two-star restaurant and i thought it if they can't make me enjoy it, then <laughs> yeah. what's the point? <laughs> just it's not something yeah. that feels like it should be in your mouth yeah. when you're chewing. Might, it like, this it might be, be amazing, right. but I just didn't enjoy it. So no. Yeah. So we talking culinary college straight after school then? Uh, no, I did an apprenticeship. So through Solihull College, strangely, it weren't through Birmingham or anything. So I just did a, a level two apprenticeship MVQ. That was it. I did twelve months as an apprentice and then went straight into it. Started at the, the Hilton at the NEC, to be fair, the big Hilton. And I uh, did one year there as an apprentice and then stayed there for, I think, two or three years after that. Then it's one of them places, it's a good place to learn your trade, but then unless someone gets carried out in a box, then nobody nobody gets a promotion. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's one of them, everyone stays there. And it's like, I was never going to get promoted there, but it's just, it's a big company. And I just thought, I'm ready to move on now. And we went to, I went to the forest in Dorwich then. What was the hotel like? Was it a bit of a shock to the system? I suppose if you didn't know any better, like... What, the Hilton? Yeah, as in working. Well, as a 16-year-old, it was like, this is what I thought it was, like loads, loads of chefs everywhere. Because there like, must be about 100 chefs in that place. I just thought it was standard. <laughs> Even though <laughs> it was just chefs everywhere. It's like pastry had about 12 chefs. The main kitchen where we did all the banquets and events was like loads of them in there. And then I was in the F&B side, in the restaurant side. So I was always in, always restaurant-based. I've never been like events-based at all, really. Um, I did a little bit when I needed to, but... Um, I've always shied, not shied away, but preferred the restaurant than 
doing weddings and events and you loved it straight away as soon as you walked in or? i think so yeah, yeah. well I must have done. I'm still Lost going. Still going, <laughs> still going. The hours were cushy there. That was a big shot leaving there and going to somewhere that was like independently owned and having to sort of you put in owners' dinners on a plate as well as your own. And it was like to go from doing a cushy 39 hour week contract at Hilton to 70 hours working somewhere else, yeah. it was like, which is standard for the trade. It's not as bad as it's getting better, to be fair. And that's sort of what I want to try and sort of bring in as well and bring, bring working hours down in the in lighting restaurant try because i got two young kids so i don't want to yeah you want to say i them. don't want to be That's sort mad of... though i would have thought it was the way around i would have thought like hotels were like 80 70 hours a week. yeah i'd have guessed that. i think depend i think when the the big ones like big corporate chains like hilton they want to attract people to come and work for them so they have to sort of make it more flexible and sort of work life balance so, so what did you go as to the forest what level uh, should you go i think i just went there as a demi demi chef to party then moved up to move, work my up to junior so in a couple of years and then I left to left there to go to junior sewer at Hampton. What was the food like at Forest at the time? Because it's like obviously it's butchers now, so it's pretty good. But it so it was little... back then, it was uh two rosettes. Like I said, we always thought we were sort of knocking on the door of three rosettes, but I don't I think the owners were content with where it was. There wasn't, I didn't want to put probably put the level in investment into it to push it that little bit further, which we all know it needs a bit to push that bit further. You need a bit more investment, you need an extra chef or to cover the busier days. and I think they were happy, it's just and content with how it was. And as chefs, we was all, we was a bit frustrated with that. We wanted to push it, but in the end, it was what it was. And yeah, it was a good standard. I enjoyed it. That's where I sort of found my passion then for like proper sort of fine dining restaurant food. I did it at the Hilton, but it was different there because it was so corporate. But at the Forest then it was sort of like your local restaurant or mm. with some rooms with it as well. So people could come from a bit further away if they wanted to, but it was more of a local restaurant. And then I think that sort of pushed me then to go a bit further and try and I'd, I'd interviews at other places just at the time probably just didn't work out at the time um to go to like start restaurants and that and then find a good place at hampton where i sort of worked for the head chef there and progressed pretty quickly up to his sous chef so did you know that the chef there before you left no i just seen a job on the caterer and applied for it oh, yeah. and um i was junior i went there as junior sue and then the sous chef then left about three months later I got her job then and then sort of was always going to progress there. And like the, the head chef was going to, there was talk of him being exec chef and then I was going to be head chef, but then that never happened. And sort of he left another head chef come in. Um, I worked for him for 18 months and then he moved on and then sort of, it must've just wanted to like that to give it to me. Then. <laughs> there was no choice. <laughs> I forced, I forced them to give it to me and then obviously it went, went pretty well. Is there any of these chefs that have sort of give you sort of inspiration that pushed you to try what? and be a better chef? Like the head chefs you're working for, are there um, any in particular that have really sort of made you I focus? Maybe Martin, the first head chef at Hampton Manor, Martin Pern. Um, he was very classically trained. He'd had a star in the 90s at a place called, um, oh, I can't think what it's called now, Same, like Worcester Way, I think, not in Cotswolds. Um, and he was like, he. I think he's seen something in me that sort of pushed me a little bit harder. And uh, yeah, he, he definitely pushed me. I mean, the head chef before that I'd worked for, for that, Dean at the Forest was really good. And then my first head chef at the Hilton, George, he was good as well. But I think with Martin, I think he just seen something in me and pushed me a lot, pushed me a bit harder than anybody else ever pushed me. So and I did all right after it. So, <laughs> like, what year was this you went to um, Hampton? Manor? 2010, I started at Hampton. So it was only about the business is only about 12, 18 months old back then. So it's, well, it's still in terms of how that where they are now. I think they're like nearly 14 years old now. But 
look at the changes. They've he've constantly invested in the place, which is fair play to them for doing that. And a lot of, a lot of places would put their investment in, get the get the reward, get it back, and then just keep draining it. To be fair, but they have consistently sort of driving it and pushing it and investing in it more and more. So. Was um, it you from day one, like, listen, uh, chef, we're we're in, we want a Michelin star, and that's what I think so. I don't. I think when they brought the property, that wasn't the initial plan, but then they got a chef in in Martin Pern. He was like, this place could be like something special. He was sort of coming to the way of the end, the back end of his career, where he'd sort of been out of the industry for a bit, or out of that that sort of top level of the industry for a bit, and was he took that on and think it's his sort of last one song, I think, for him, and he um he pushed it to a level as much as he could, and then. I think it had to go. Yeah, there had to be a few changes more to get it to the next level in terms of refinement and putting a bit more in, not getting a few more chefs and everything like that. And but I think then that sort of drew, the drive was to get a star, and then the the another head chef come in who had sort of really good CV on his hand and worked worked at some top places around the country. And he didn't sort of for whatever reason it didn't work with him. And then sort of I got the job. I've never worked in a. Obviously, I've just told you my CV basically. I've never worked anywhere with Michelin star before. Um, I went and did some placements. I did a stage at um, Inishir Hall in Wales with Gareth Ward. That was right at the start when Gareth took over there. It, the, the previous owners were still there when I was there, when I did that. Uh, I did a stage at Knife and Outlaws in Cornwall. Uh, I did a stage at Andrew Fairley's up in Scotland. Um, but that was I'd never been employed by a sort of Michelin star kitchen other than a few placements. So. How did them stages affect you? Did you like? Do you know what? I, I learnt a lot on them, but sort of like you go on stages and you see people go for a stage for like three months or a month depending on where they're going but i did that um places there and i thought a week was plenty to see what you need to see i mean in some of these places where you go like and you stage there for six months you might be just picking herbs for one for for a month so you don't learn nothing <laughs> but somewhere like knife and outlaw like you get, let you get involved in quite a lot in what he was doing and so because it was such a small team anyway i think there was only four or five chefs there employed plus knife and and it was like you've seen everything anyway, so it was a small kitchen, so there was nothing you couldn't not see everything because you're all in a little tight space. It was great, but yeah, stages they are good. Yeah, I do recommend going on them if if you can afford to take time out and not get paid for a for a week or so or whatever. That if anything, you know, you say you haven't come from a Michelin star background, it it kind of reinforces. You know what? Even though I haven't done that background, I'm still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, just because you haven't worked, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Like as long as you you respect what you're doing and you work hard at it, it doesn't matter. Like, you can definitely do it still, for sure. Sometimes it helps to have a new perspective on things as well. Like, you know, um, you do see it sometimes, you know, when there's a, like a bit of a family tree from one restaurant and then their chefs get Michelin stars. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and it's very similar. And then but all of a sudden something new comes along. Someone, and it's something breaks out. the mould a little bit. Mm. It's good. Um, and now, well, I'll see it like now. So Darren as well, who's head chef of Hampton now, and Monty, who's head chef appeals together, that neither of them have ever worked anywhere that have got a star other than other than there, and they've retained it. So it's like it is, it is good to see that you, you're breaking them all a bit. You don't have to go and bust your ass in London and, and these one and two stars in London to have to 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 win a star. You can sort of do it a different way. Was there was the wall garden there when you started? Yeah, so it wasn't. It was there, but it wasn't sort of. It was just overgrown like with brambles and everything <laughs> in there a few stinging nettles so you can make and, a crumble out of there yeah, that's about it <laughs> some nettle soup or some blackberry crumble <laughs> that was about it but um so did you have any part in initiating the whole um... we we uh, yeah i tried pushing them for years and years to try and do something to be fair there was a couple of little plots but but they 
the um the local sort of village sort of they had their own plots there and in the end like we they politely moved them along and then we sort of grown and we got a garden and started growing and then during the summer sort of like early winter like autumn i'd say about 80 percent of what was on the plate garnish wise from the garden like we worked really hard to try and do that and now they've took it to another level now but they've got a team of gardeners in there we just had one when i was there it was just one gardener who sort of worked i think three days a week to try and get it going so but and we tried we had we, we had to harvest ourselves we had to go and pick it all ourselves when we needed it we never had someone like bringing it up for us we had to go and do it pick it wash it bring it into the kitchen kitchen port going mad because you drag mud everywhere through the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> into a pot wash area but um yeah so we sort of pushed hard to get it and like in the end we was growing i used to add two beds full of celeriacs there sort of because they take basically all year to grow we used to do a dish with celeriac when i was there and beetroots we grow as many as we could because i had a beetroot dish that we used to we used to change it do a seasonal dish at the start of every season that dish would come on but we'd try and get at least part a good chunk of it from the garden so it was sort of a bit of a a bit of a story on the menu kind of tailor the garden towards your style of cuisine yeah 100 the garden influence your cuisine like which came first kind of probably like? both yeah. so the garden was always seasonal and always sort of veg like british sort of veg classic british veg based in terms of garnishes for the menu um but then as sort of the garden develops that sort of then sort of tailored the menu a lot more as well so we used to plan it we plan certain dishes around what was going to be coming in the garden so we sort of look at like i said beetroots we knew when the beach was going to be ready so we sort of plan a dish around that and we get a month out of that then uh, then beetroots from the garden then whatever was sort of unusable in terms of sort of we'd sort of ferment it or something so it was we do we used to do a beetroot juice on the menu that was sort of fermented and it was but that was sort of the ones that the smaller beetroots that were like sort of harder to use so we'd peel them and ferment them and get the juice out of them um, so we'd use as much as we could from there and sort of not waste, not literally waste as little as possible. What was sort of the thinking behind it? Freshness or just convenience yeah. or just because you could do it, so why we, not do it? Because we could, yeah, because we could. I mean, where I'm going to now in my own restaurant, I'm in the middle of the town centre, so there's no uh, there's nowhere to grow anything there. No window box. <laughs> no, there's no window box because <laughs> there's a cover over it, so it, can't <laughs> even, it wouldn't even work. But um I mean, the plan in the future is potentially get a, an allotment somewhere where we can do some some little bits. I mean, I won't be able to do it to the extent that we did at Hampton, but I definitely want to do a few bits where we can. But um, there is some allotments by my house that I've hired up already, to be fair. But <laughs> I'll have to probably kick someone out of there to do it. It's kind of like the dream, though. I feel like everyone kind of one day dreams of like kicking the corporate job away and just like starting a little restaurant with a little vegetable patch yeah, like, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's a bit cliche it? but, uh, it's nice though like you know what I mean it it's a bit cliche cool but it is, it's what we've done it's what I did at Hampton so it's like why why not obviously I haven't got the garden at the minute but you know hopefully this isn't my first restaurant or the plan is to have another one in the future if we can but just gotta get this one to work first so yeah I'm surprised you're saying that obviously we'll get to Tufts and like everything that's happening now yeah to say I'm eyeing up a second restaurant in the, all the mayhem of opening the first it'll be a few years don't worry it'll be a few years but like where I am at the minute it's almost like probably it's small so mm. hopefully we'll outgrow it that's the plan to try and outgrow it so we can move on perhaps keep that and then do something else with it and move on to another so that'd be that'd be the dream anyway but we'll see so how did you become head chef then at PRs um like I said, the two head chefs previous sort of had moved on and then sort of 
I sat down with the, the owner, the, the boss, and he was like, "We want to give it you." And then I had to sort of do a few things. That that's when that's when I went on my stages. To be fair, after that, he was like, "Obviously, you haven't got any sort of real sort of missing experience." So he sent me. He said, "We'll sort of let you go, send you around a couple of stages," and that's what I did. So in the first like four months of being head chef at Hampton, I spent I think I spent three weeks away on stages. To be fair, that's why I I built a good team around me. That sort of we tr- I trusted Darren, who's, the head, who's there now. So I trusted, God, we trusted him as well to sort of step up when I went there. I had another young lad working for me at the time, Connor. Like he was brilliant. So we had a, I built a good team around me because I was part of building the team that was there as well. But even though the head chef was sort of there, a lot of them worked for me for Martin, the first head chef, and sort of Martin relied on me quite a bit, quite a lot in recruitment. I think because he was a bit older, he sort of relied on me to sort of bring younger younger people through a little bit more. So they all sort of, most of the team that were there had worked for Martin as well. So, as and me as sous chef. So we sort of all knew each other really well and trusted each other. And it just worked. And then, like I said, I was only head chef, I think, just under two years. And then we, we won the start and it was just like... Did it, you change it, the direction of where the restaurant was heading? Not really. Just carried on. I, I sort of developed my own style, I'd say. But I didn't, we always knew what the goal was. The goal was always to try and achieve a mission style and like... There wasn't any time scale put on it when I had to achieve it, and like the owners never said, if you never achieve, if you don't achieve it, you're not going to get rid of it. It wasn't like that. I think in my head, I knew I had probably three, four years max to try and achieve it. Otherwise, I probably would have thought of moved on after that myself, and probably thought, probably not. Gonna, if we're not going to do it, then we won't do it at all. So, and like I said, I'd give myself three years, but like I said, we did it in two, so it was pretty. And then we got the four rosettes as well at the same time, which was like. That was like a massive. Like, well, I'm not saying the shark. The star was a shock. You were sort of anticipating, but you never know. Do you? you never actually 100% know you're going to get it. But the four rosettes was like that was sort of a definitely for like one or two years further down the line to get that. Because like, that's massive as well. People yeah, yeah. don't seem to understand yeah, the rosettes are huge. In the industry, Force, not huge. so much outside the industry, but within the industry, four rosettes is like is big. Like, not, there's no one not blowing my own trumpet, but there's no one in the West Midlands who've got that. I don't think. Definitely no one in Birmingham and sort of immediate sort of solid all Birmingham them areas like no one's ever done it so yeah, there's um, a few threes but there's yeah they've all got most of them have got three yeah. but no one had done four and you know, people say like AI are different but you know they're all they're all judging you aren't they at the end of the day so it's different in the sense that you, if you went up to somebody in the street and say oh, I went to this restaurant it had four AIs to be like yeah they wouldn't all oh, right yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you said oh I went to this restaurant it was Michelin star yeah they understand oh, it a bit better right, yeah. yeah in the industry the rose AI is pretty big but even then like i i still feel like i don't know if a Mich- like i don't feel like michelin's the be all and end all to the customer i don't think it determines like hamden manor for those two years before you won the start it was probably still very busy yeah no, it was good and it's like but you put a level and an expectation on yourself once you get that start the food that so we won the star in october beginning of october but the food was no no different in the middle of october to what it was in the middle of september but mm. We got we got recognised for it now, but people expect there's another level of expectation then. Mm. So it's like we're still doing the same food we was three weeks ago, but we've got a star for it now. There's no it's no different. But could you pinpoint anything you changed at all, like just that could have helped to get the star? Um, restraint. That'd be my word. Is like mm. not trying to do too much with everything, and that's still my sort of food today. Like just restrain. Like if you have to put hundred things on the plate to make something taste nice, then. You, for me, you know, the, the, the what you started with isn't right. So for me, like a piece of piece of beetroot that we like my beetroot dish that we've always we've done. Like it's literally just the fermented salt, 
and beetroot and then we do classic classic beetroot and goat's cheese but we do an ice cream with the goat's cheese and it's sort of everyone that so that's sort of like a talking point straight away because it's an ice cream it's not just goat's cheese that's yeah for me restraint and sort of looking at summer and quite often we put a dish up in the early days especially before we had the start we put a dish up and there'd be like loads of little bits and bobs on it and be like does it need that does it need that does that have any impact on how that tastes so it was like if you take it away you haven't you're not missing anything so it's just sort of that was that was the biggest thing and that's why i'd say to any sort of chef like when they start designing a dish like to your young chef is just does it does it need it does it actually need it is it gonna make that it might make it look a bit nicer but does it make it taste any better because that's what matters at the end of the day what it tastes like not what it looks like very brave i mean it's kind of like uh, Simon Sinek. Have you heard of Simon Sinek? The book, um, Start With Why. No, no. It's like a businessy book, but I use it as like everything should really start with why. So if you're taking that, you're saying, so like, why is this on the plate? You know, the, yeah. you know it yeah. should be like, what's the why in this? You know, very brave. You must have been quite young at the time. Um, Either that or you had a really easy paper around, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I'm 35 now, so yeah, I was... Uh, 29 when we won the star, I think. So 28. Relatively young for um, uh, head chef. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't see it like that because I was 27 when I got the. I think I was 27 when I got the head chef's job. So yeah, I suppose, I suppose. so. I didn't see it as because I didn't see it as young because quite often chefs were getting younger. I think. I think mm. it is a more of a young young man's game these days. 27, I, 27 chef years though. They're like dog years. They're like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I don't want to be doing like 60 hours a week when I'm 50 odd. I want to be some paying somebody else to do it for me, hopefully. That would be the plan. But I don't think anyone wants to do that. No, anymore. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the way the world is, isn't it? And that's why I'm sort of, I'm opening my restaurant to start with five days a week. But hopefully, but when, I, when, when it's right for the business, if I can work it out somewhere to make it financially viable, I want to strip it back to four days. And mm. like I said at the start, I've got two young, two young girls that are sort of kids that I want to spend time with as well how old are they got one six and six next month and you're on 16 months so it's like full on yeah I bet. wow <laughs> <laughs> 16 month baby and a new restaurant yeah everyone's saying that <laughs> didn't really think it through very well so what fair. just one of them would be enough <laughs> what i was gonna say was when i was about how i didn't want to just try and get your age out there i was gonna say um it's knowledge beyond your years to be able to just strip it back like that and brave. Had somebody taught you that or um, did you learn a hard way or? Maybe Martin, the first head chef of Hampton, to be fair. Yeah. But he was very sort of classical French and he, mm. his food, his flavours was like amazing, but he probably couldn't present food in a way at the time. He was probably a bit too old school for that. Mm. And then the chef then that came in after me, after mine, sorry, was sort of very new school, modern and probably did if for my, for my in my opinion probably tried too hard and put so many things on the plate so i sort of took the best from both of them and sort of met in the middle somewhere that's how i come to my style i'd say like classic french to sort of modern cooking and then met in the middle do you remember where you were when you got the star like because so, i don't did they have the events then? it was the, the first year it was the first year they did the event so but you got the did you get just get an invite in the post or something yeah so i can't quite remember what happened i think we'd been on a sort of um the day before, I think we'd been on a bit of a manager's sort of away day, jolly up sort of thing. <laughs> and the next day, I got a phone call. I think, and I was going in late that morning. The next day, to uh, obviously because of man, we didn't do lunch, so we could get away with it. 
James Hill, the owner of Hampton, he rang me and was like, can you, can you come to the, my mum and dad's house now? Like his mum and dad lived in the village, they owned the house that was sort of backed onto, they've actually built their own house on the, in the grounds now, but they had a house on the high street. Can you meet me at my mum and dad's in a, <clears throat> as soon as you can? I was like, this is weird. <laughs> And then um, I sacked. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was what did a I little, say last night? I, I knew it weren't that because <laughs> the week, obviously, that the week before then, we'd um, on that Monday, we'd just been to the AI party and got the four rosettes before it. So I knew it weren't that. We, I was with my wife and she was like, and obviously, we, we, our first kid was only six months old then. I was like, I've got Alison and, and Tyler with me. And she, he, he was like, that's fine, just bring them. I was like, oh, this is weird. So I got there and, um, he met me at the door and he's like, glass of champagne. I was like, what's going on? He's like, we've got an invite. But at the time, he was like, what does that mean? Because they'd never done it before. Yeah. So he was like, we must have done it. We must have done it. But this was, I think, the Wednesday or the Thursday. But he'd had the email in his inbox for two days. <laughs> and because we'd been at the IA Awards and then been on a sort of manager's yeah, jolly up as well, he um, he hadn't opened the, opened the email. I think it might have gone to his junk or something. So we got to his house. He was like, oh, we must have done it. So um, we arranged like the train and everything on the way. And... Craig, the general manager as well, had been invited, which was a bit strange. So obviously James, myself, and Craig, the general manager, had been invited. So we sort of arrived, but he he didn't come to James's house. I can't remember why. Um, so we we got there, and he's like, so we thought, well, we wouldn't start. And then so we booked the trains and that down for the weekend. James, being James, booked the cheap train down to London. <laughs> took two and a half hours, two and three quarter hours to get to London. And um, so we're on this packed train going down to London. We're like. All three of us are like, we don't know what we're going for. I hope, like, I hope we're thinking like we want to start, but then we get there and we get put in like this this holding room where all the chefs who have won stars are. Well, we find out they've all won stars or they've head chefs of restaurant, new head chefs of the restaurant's already got a star and they've retained it for the first time. There's this woman, I think her name is Jane, was coming from Michelin. She was like, right, you're going to leave the room first, uh, all three of you. But like, again, Everyone else in there was chefs, so there was like Craig, the general manager, and James, the director. I was like, so why are we here? Like, she was like, you're going to leave the room first, and uh, we was like, this is weird. Now they're Tony talk. They're not doing this with anybody else. She took us out of the room and we was in then this little, another little waiting area, and we're panicking there, thinking we. And James, the director, being James, he said, we ain't just won some crappy award, have we? If you brought us all the way down here, just, we're expecting. And she was like, you can't say that. We was like, well, come on, tell us. And she was like, like. Just you're gonna go on the stage twice, just just so you know that. And we was like, well, what's going on then now? And but it was the first year they did this because it was the first year of the they never did like an award ceremony. They did it, um, is it Welcome and Service Award? Mm. They did Michelin Welcome, Sir, Welcome and Service Award. So we'd won that as well, but they announced that first. And obviously, like they because like the sheer panic on our faces, thinking like we've not won a star, we've won some just some award that's not actually a star, like <laughs> up and coming award or something. But we're like we've built ourselves up thinking we won a star and then we get there we got on the stage we took this award i had to sit down in the audience then but that year it was just um all london chefs and then two and three star chefs from around the country so it weren't every chef had been invited mm. so i had to then sit down in the audience because it was in like a theater style room and uh i had to wait ages and ages and i'm thinking we haven't won a star have we? and then it was i think we was like second from last up on the stage or something like that <laughs> okay. and uh to go up and get the star then but then it was just like so the the morning was just like a blur and it was like so, and then in the afternoon then when you've won the star you go into like this room and you're having drinking and that with all the other chefs it's like proper surreal like talking to like Michelle Roux and Michelle like the old Michelle Roux senior and then Raymond Blanc's there and like all the old boys and sort of like you know 
you know, this is surreal. This is like, didn't, yeah, didn't just didn't know what to think of it. And then we, because we sort of anticipated we'd want to start, we'd arrange the party when we got back then on the night. And it was a, yeah, it was a big party. <laughs> what did it feel like to get the star? <sighs> Again, it was like, I don't know. I can't really remember now because it was sort of <laughs> such, such a sort of surreal thing. Like something you, you dream of and what you want to do. But when it actually comes, like, and because it was a new thing to sort of go to an award ceremony for, no one had ever had that before. Like it was the first time, first year they did it. The party on the night after getting back was decent. I think it was anyway. There's <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of pictures that looked decent. So. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand. Oh, Siri getting involved Siri. again. <laughs> Siri's on the podcast. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so cool, I think that is, that they don't just like say, listen, you've got the award. They just give you an invite down to yeah, the Yeah, that's it. Know, if you're fucking there, just, just tell them. Yeah. I wonder if I ever, think they anyone's do ever been invited and just got like some award. Like. No, I don't think they have. <laughs> because I think um, now like, it's, it's done differently now because it's like, People obviously, people everyone's mates with everybody in the industry, and they so everyone's like, Do you know who's coming down today? Mm. But I think the year, the year Ophine won their star, we all knew Axar was coming down, so it was all like, Ophine's gonna star then because, like, that year, that the second year, then when they every all I think all the other chefs around the country kicked off then saying, Why is London being treated differently? And it's right, London, all London one stars, and then two and three stars got invited to the first year, and then at the second year, everyone was like, You can't just invite the London ones just because it's in London, you've got to invite everybody, so. We all went down the second year. Then we all went. I went down with like Luke, Andreas, Glyn, Adam from the Cross, and um, Brad didn't come with us. Brad went. I think we met Brad there, and uh, who else was there at the time? Adam Stokes. We all went down. We had lunch the night before, and we was like, "Do you know who else is coming?" And like Tom Shepherd was with um, working for Adam Stokes at the time. He was there, and he was like, "I spoke to Actar. Actar's coming," and he's like, "So everyone sort of knew then on the way down what Actar's going to start then this year." Because yeah, Actar still had the same anxiety today. He was like, "Yeah." He yeah. said he got the invite, and then he was like, "Does this mean I definitely want to start?" And yeah. he, I think he phoned Tom to say, "Like, what do you reckon, mate? Do you think yeah. I've got?" <laughs> and they were like, "Yeah, mate. They're going to invite you and not give you a free." Yeah, that's but, but that's <laughs> obviously for us. It was the first time it had happened. And we yeah. Were like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no yeah. one's called. Cool, like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And like, even James tried to email her back, because like, um, his email come from the editor, Rebecca Byrne. He was like, tried to email her back or call her. I can't remember. I think he ended up having to call her because he had to confirm that we was going. Mm. But she didn't, even then, she didn't give anything away over the phone. <clears throat> when so all cool. you chefs come rolling into London and you said you went for lunch, where did you go for lunch? Where did we go the first year? Because that must have been a daunting table if the <laughs> chef comes out and knows everyone on there. Just Hyde. Like, oh, shit, I, I think it was Hyde. And Hyde, that was the year Hyde when they're starring on there yeah. as well. So, And then the year after we went to Ritz. That was wicked, to be fair. Nice. Yeah, I bet. I know it's, it's either going to go two ways. It's going to be somewhere like iconic or it's going to be something like... like chicken uh, sours yeah. or something. <laughs> 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 Burger King or something. <laughs> just went to Burger King. It's only once a year, isn't it? So. <laughs> Yeah, you got to make an event of it. It's, it's a massive achievement. Like you can't really take it away from people. But I can imagine you're like phoning your grand and saying, "I got a mission star," and they be like, "What? <laughs> you got yeah. what? <laughs> well done. What is it?" <laughs> yeah, um, people still don't know what. Even like builders and that are working for me, doing the work, and they're like, "What? So what? How much is a stake going to cost in your place?" And you're like, it's hard to see. Like, I always guess that they're like, "I just uh, a lot." Yeah. <laughs> Whenever at work you say, "Oh yeah, this restaurant it's amazing." I went the weekend, Michelin star. Oh, yeah, how much was the steak? I was like, uh, "Go in my old really yeah. like well, you get always oh, just tiny bits. You just yeah. get loads of tiny bits of yeah. food. You go for the chip shop on the way home. You're like, "No, you get enough food." Yeah. <laughs> I go in my local, at my old local where I grew up. 
But you can make a nice curry, can't you? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the probably, local? Probably not it? as good. Uh, Castle Bromies. I grew up in Castle Bromies. Oh, so, yeah. The Farvins. Oh, the Farvins. Yeah. yeah. Probably can't cook it as good as Toby around in the Baltic Garden, but oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, decent curry. <laughs> just because I'm a just because I'm a chef, it doesn't mean I cook a good curry. It's magic, and it what people think. How the manner you've done another few years after winning the stars yeah uh about five years i think before I moved on then it was time to start on your own yeah i think covid came around what was it 20 2020 was it covid march mm. in the first week of covid we got the we got the first sort of dine at home boxes out like, i think we was the first ones especially in the mid definitely in the midlands to get to get some out and we did it um it was fucking hard work to be fair like, i did the first week i pretty much did it on my own i'd my sous chef come in and did pastry for me one day, I think. And then the pastry chef who lived upstairs in the event side, he helped me wash up. But I proper underestimated how hard it was going to be. Mm. Did like 150 covers. No, was it 150? I think it was about 150 covers. So like 70 boxes, 75 boxes or whatever. It's, it don't sound a lot because you do that in your restaurant and that's over three nights. But like I was on my own pretty much prepping it. It's basically impossible to get suppliers to deliver to. Yeah, Nobody wanted to do anything. So I was arranged all my orders and then they didn't come. So I was then a day behind everything. It was a carnage. And we managed to get our first first boxes out, to be fair. I think I worked more hours that week than I did in <laughs> the six years prior to winning, after winning a star or whatever. So we did that. We went through lockdown and then I had my second daughter in the October of COVID. I never, I, I worked all the way through it up until like that October. I didn't take any furlough or anything. Everyone else got furlough and I was like, James, yeah, and he was like, do you want to, Take, I took two weeks paternity um, and he said do you want to be furloughed until sort of end of November into into December I was like yeah fine if you want me to so I was at home then for like newborn baby the missus was grateful I think to be fair so we did oh, obviously after the Covid and then we reopened in the summer then we reopened and we did like staycations and everything we designed a staycation package and that's where smoke was born to be fair we, we designed smoke but it was very different to what it is now um, obviously we weren't doing events or anything so the event team the event chef I had there was like we designed the menu he was going down doing smoke two nights a week for the staycation guests and then they had two nights in Peels and the other two nights he was open to the public and then like I said my second daughter was born I had two weeks paternity where it was we were still going doing staycations and I went back for two days and then it got shut down again so they carried on doing the boxes again so I took furlough then and then um I did a little bit over Christmas then. We did some like, hampers for a, like a low, uh, regular guest, who, like, a wealthy regular guest who'd bought like, all his staff hampers. We did, I helped with them hampers. I helped in the Christmas boxes. It was still not sure if it was going to be open Christmas and obviously it was closed. And I just thought, like, I've been at home a lot more now for my second door. Where the, my first door was born six months before we won the star. So it was like that year was like full on. So I never eased. The first six months of my first door was like, working a lot i didn't really see sort of them six months mm. so with the second time second door i seen all of that and then february sort of february come i saw james rang me the owner was like should we have a chat and i was like go on then so and it was sort of like a mutual thing because they were doing grace and saver i wasn't going to be part of grace and saver even though i had started sort of the design of that in the early stages of it me and craig the general manager sort of started planning that and what was going to be because the building was well on the way by the time when i was there because obviously covid slowed it all down um and then he said like someone else was going to be coming in and taking over from Grace and Save. I was like, that's fine. Like, I'll carry on doing what I'm doing in Peels. But then it was like, if we support you in sort of you going, like having some time off, I said, and you can set up, do try and do your own thing. We know you want to do it. I 
don't know how they knew that. I'd never publicly said it to them, but it was I was thinking it a lot more towards the end of the time at Hampton, especially with COVID and that. that all these hours that we do, even though I'm going to be doing them again, like in my own restaurant, but I thought I want to do it for myself now and do it for my sort of my kids. And if I'm going to spend it all the time away from them, I want to make, make it worthwhile. So I took basically most of last year. I didn't work, <laughs> but they sort of I was on furlough from there, and then sort of that was it. Um, yeah, and the plan was to open earlier, but then put a proposal to the landlords who were it's basically solid with cancer my landlords are toffs and they just took forever to get everything over the line so in the end I was just like oh, well, we'll do it in the new year now they would have snapped your hand off though wouldn't you like well, yeah yeah brand new restaurant well they did they, 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 they contacted me to be fair I yeah. spoke to a couple of people about properties that might be available and Tony Alvin actually I don't know if you know Tony Alvin he's yeah, there no. so spoke to Tony Alvin he was like um, I met literally the next day he sent me loads of properties over that were available I went and met him, met up with him, went and had a look at a couple of them. Then loads of the agents who were sort of acting on behalf of the landlords, and then some of them being Mouse Square and Solidwell Council, they got in touch with me, and I sort of looked at a couple of places. I looked at this one, and I put a proposal in pretty much straight away. And then I got bloody appendicitis and nearly died. Oh. <laughs> last, that was last <laughs> summer. That was horrendous. Um, but I put a proposal together while I was in hospital, like that day, like of what I wanted to, what I wanted to pay them and whatever. And, but then it just took them ages to get it over the line. Like I said, that was last June last year. And then they, I didn't get the keys until January. So it was just, but we're there now. And it's, uh, yeah. I know you were probably pretty good at the time with Hamden Manor, how it kind of finished. Yeah. But do you think you would have had your own restaurant if that didn't happen? No, not now. I think I'd still be there. If COVID hadn't yeah. come, I'd probably still be there. So it might be a good thing. Maybe, yeah, I think. Covid's been good and bad for different reasons for different people, hasn't it? So I think, obviously, if Covid hadn't come around, I don't think I would. I'd probably still be there and doing what we was doing. But um, in hindsight, I'm I'm glad it's happened. But there's, there's exciting times ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a few more grey hairs over it. But no, I bet. so Tufts, <laughs> what can people expect? What direction you go in with this? So it's going to be the same style of food as to what I did at Hampton because that was sort of the style I developed That's in my time. Style. That was my style from time what i was there as head chef so um same ethos around ingredients the core of it will always be british so down for meat veg i'll import obviously, obviously britain now is japanese chinese indian asian everything french european whatever like so we influences from all around the world don't it? but the core ingredients will always be from sort of england if not a little bit further field britain but it won't be i won't be getting wagyu beef from japan or lobsters canadian lobsters or anything like that. everything will be sort of british oils it's a tasting menu yeah we taste yeah, menu so i'm doing three lunches a week first thursday to saturday it's going to be a four or five course option at lunchtime and then dinner time tuesday to saturday it's going to be a five or a seven course but dinner time is going to be a little bit more elaborate so there's going to be a few more snacks before the main seven five or seven courses a little yeah, be a little bit more elaborate and like the scallop will be on the menu just because I think lunch trays are not what it used to be. Like, we didn't even do lunch at Hampton Man in the end because like, we used to, and then it was just dead. So it was like, why, why are we putting this time and effort into doing a lunch menu and a cheap prefix menu at lunchtime and hardly anybody's signing up for it? So, but I think as a as a small business like me, I think if I can get three lunch services in a week and sort of fill it as much as I can, I think it'd be, it's worthwhile doing. But um, Hampton Man had the different facilities to be able to sort of not not bother with lunch and do something else more corporate if they needed to but 
terms of the food, it's going to be very same same as what I did at Hampton, same sort of flavours. I think probably the dishes I open with, sixty percent of them will be dishes that I've done before. But and then once I'm settled in and we sort of find our feet, we'll sort of start evolving. And I do want to evolve it pretty quickly, and it might go to a more a longer taste menu in the future. But for now, I think just to sort of get a new, I'm starting with a new team that I've one of the chefs worked with before, but then other chefs have never worked for me. Front of house when I eventually find somebody. They won't have worked me before. I was going to say, uh, how's the staffing going? Chefs was like easy, got them straight away, pretty much. Like I think that's because sort of Ben, who's my suit, who's coming as my so he's coming as junior suit to start with, but I think I'm going to progress. I want to progress him up to sous chef straight away as soon as I can because I think he's he's almost ready for it. Um, and then I've got another lad coming from another, uh, another restaurant where he's coming from. Because, but, um, yeah, and then I've got two more lads coming as well. But So I was four chefs, including myself, in the kitchen. But front of our staff, a lot, I've just been a lot, a lot of rocking all shit, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. just... Are you getting a sum in as well? Not to start with. I will in the future, but um, I just think to start with, it's one of them. It's a, they cost a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're big salaries, so it's like... I've just got a bit of guidance in my wine menu, um, my wine list, and I'm just going to do it with that for now. If I can find a restaurant manager that's got a little bit of knowledge on it, that'll, that'll help massively, but it's not the bill and then no to have a... As long as you've got a nice list, I don't yeah. think... I'm, I'm going to do wine pairings and that, but for me, it's not the bill and then no to start with. It's just mainly about the food for me at the minute. It's the wine, is that sort of... Because peels went down sort of an organic... Yeah. Type route. Are you taking that route? With um, not necessarily. I mean... In the future, I might do it, but it's not necessarily necessarily my thing. Like that was something that James the owner loved, and Sam at Wine Freedom, he's he's great at what he does. Um, but it's not going to be definitely because I think you can isolate a few people with that. Because I mean, I don't know what your thoughts on natural wine is, but some of it is like funky stuff, and it's like it's I'm not, a fan. I know plenty of people that yeah, aren't. Yeah, and so, we like Sam. I go to Wine Freedom quite a bit. Though. Yeah, I do like this stuff, but I can understand why some people don't. Yeah automatically get it i think you know it I mean? can be but it can be a little bit because i think people not when you say natural on people automatically think of that the funky stuff and it's cloudy and unfiltered and it's a bit everything tastes like cider but it's not all like that but and most of it isn't like that but then some of them are like that but so it's like that's what you initially think when you think natural wine but so that's why i think people are put off with it I've had, I've, had, I've had actually guests ask me like are you doing natural wine like, like they did at hampton and i was like i was Judging what they were saying, I was like, no. Oh, that's good. Right. <laughs> so I've had a few people say that. As well, so. isn't it? Because solid, yeah, like, I can solid imagine the solid types. I yeah. mean, say solid types. I went to school in solid and I now live in solid, so I can say this. But the solid types probably aren't going to buy into Nah, not necessarily. Like, I, think, I think you need to stick to your sort of classics to start with. Like, I'm not even going to do Prosecco by the glass. That's probably controversial, but I don't think Solly will probably want Prosecco by the glass. If they were, if they did, there'd be a Prosecco bar in Solly, there's not. There's no one, wine bar whatsoever. No, is there's it? one in Resorts World, but there's there's not a Prosecco bar in Solly. I don't think the one in Resorts World is there anymore. So as we have, but yeah, I said I see your point, but then I wouldn't judge Solly by what it's got because it doesn't have a lot. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it does not. Have and that's sort of one of the when I was sort of looking for a, a venue, a property to to go into. I looked at the, the rents and the leases that people wanted and it was just extortionate. And I was like, this is why there's no independence in Solio. And there is a few more now, but that's because they must have done the same as me and pushed them hard on getting the rent down. Like, so you, like you're going to be there and there's a few other places. Like, Solio's getting better. A lot of, yeah. and, and 
you speak to Tony Alvin, a lot of the places in Touchwood now are also independent. Like, um, I say there's one guy who owns quite a lot of them, but they're all different outlets, different cuisines, different concepts. But there is a few more coming in soil. But then you have got now where I am is like Carluccio. As you can see, Carluccio's in the corner from here. And then next door to that is Coates Brasserie, um, which I think is part of the Ivy Group. Um, but the reason Solio struggles is because the rent's so high. A guy come in to me today in the in the shop. He was like, he was a bit of a funky character, to be honest with you. I don't know if he was looking at it in the window. And he come in, he said, can I come in? I was like, yeah, come in. And he was like, I used to have this shit shop back in the early 90s. I was just seeing what you're doing with it. And he was, he was like, is it going to be a restaurant? I was like, yeah. And he was like, I, was, uh, I used to sell records and like, funky clothes. I think he was like a, a bit of a raver. Mm. And he was like, and he told me, and he was like, he tried to get what well, I didn't tell him. He was like, if you don't mind me asking, what, what's your rent you're paying? Here? I was like, well, I do mind you asking, to be fair. He was like, I was paying 500 quid a week back in the 90s for this. I was like, fucking hell, I'm not paying that now. Mm. So that's, he's going back, like, best part of 30, 20 odd years, 30 years, and he's paying more in rent than I am now. But that's how solid it is. It's just been so driven up. But I've got quite a lot off my rent compared to what they wanted. But they need to do that to get independence back into Solio, and that was sort of what I pushed them for. Tice Collective just there as well. Yeah, I love Tice yeah, Collective. It's yeah, amazing. Was that any part in... A little bit, yeah. That sort of helped me choose it a little bit because where I am, I'm in between the high street and there, slap, slap bang in the middle of it, and it's like, there's the Mason's pub around the corner, so if you want to go for a pint before you come to a restaurant, you can go there. And there's, like I said, it is, and it's at the top end of the, the church end of the high street, mm-hmm. so it is away from sort of the more the the chain or like spoons and whatever there's a there's a few like, oh they just keep moving the eights yeah. around it'd be somewhere else next week yeah <laughs> yeah 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 eights is around the corner yeah. pop world as well isn't there yeah. used to be i can't remember what it used to be um but it's at the top end of the, like, the church and the high street so you always find that when a few good things move into one little area then it does start that's to it, get yeah. better and better like at least you can go to greens for a cocktail and then come yeah to that's it and, and take oh, oh, I was at Tice Collective on Friday. I was there the week before as well with a, with a mate. Like, the pizzas there are amazing. They do it. That's Amora, I think it's called. Pizza yeah, that's wicked. the one, yeah. Strip Club burgers are amazing as well. They're wicked. But they, they all care about what they're doing as well. They might be like street diners, sort of street food places, but they're all using, like Strip Club are using the same butcher as what I'm going to be using. Mm. So it's like they're using Aubrey Allen for their meat. And like, I went to any burger place, I think they'd be using Aubrey Allen because Aubrey Allen, they're expensive because of the they use the best stuff so it's mm. like and a, just a, a burger place in Solihull is using using that sort of produce so it's like it is good and that Taste Collective was sort of a good a good part of why I chose that sort of spot because it's right there and it's sort of I suppose it's it's the in thing isn't it the minute street food it has been for a while I thought it'd die down eventually but it's, it's still going strong and it's before they're always busy I'll get takeaways from the strip club yeah, stuff like delivery. that delivered to my house and there's always a good way, and they're always willing yeah. to chat to them. They're always saying they're busy. Yeah. Are you apprehensive about just doing a tasting menu and not offering a la carte? Or? Um, a little bit, but I think I'd be sort of being sort of untrue to what I'd do if I did mm. do a, a la carte. Because even though when I when we won the start at Hampton, we did have an a la carte menu, but it, we was always trying to push away from it because even before we had the start, say seventy five percent of the people had tasting menu, and then when we got the start, it was more like eighty five to ninety percent. So it was a like pointless having an a la carte. So mm. now I'm going in. At lunchtime, I'm doing a four course and a five course. And the four course is going to be a choice on main course. So I'm having, offering a little bit of choice to try and get that. Maybe the sort of the lunchtime guests are probably a bit of an older generation. So maybe get them into it. But then for dinner, I have, I'm have i offering a choice. There's a, just a five course and a seven course menu to choose from. So there is a bit of choice, but it's not in terms of what 
you get just how many of what you get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I think I speak for both of us. We're very glad that you're doing that. Like, I think some places they kind of sacrifice their soul a little bit to do a la carte. And I yeah, think like, I hate oh, it when you see a tasting menu made up of dishes from the a la carte. Yeah, ha- I think if you've got to do an a la carte menu to to get bums on seats then there isn't really another way around it but that's not what i want to do so it's like i do see menu i can't say the last time i seen a menu but it's like sometimes you see it and it's like that's what we used to have to do at hampton make a taste menu out of the a la carte menu and that's why we sort of made the decision in the end right if we do just that it's going to be better the thought the end product is going to be better because i haven't got to think about proportions as much as what you do so you can't just do half a portion, half a main course portion, just because you want it as a main course on a <laughs> seven course menu. But that's what you end up having to do when you're designing a menu like that. So and I think tasting menu should each dish should it shouldn't be just seven dishes as well. It needs to be each dish needs to be able to follow yeah, the next one, lead that. off from each other. Not that they need to be similar, but you can't have something that packs a massive punch and then have something that then is quite delicate afterwards. It's got to be sort of balanced all the way through. Should be a story, and it should be an example of like the chef. Yeah, saying, exactly. This is my style of cooking. This is all me. Yeah. This is the story, and then I think a la carte, you can kind of just dilute it down a bit, and then it's like I, I don't. For me, I'm just probably lazy. I don't want to choose. I just want somebody. I want to sit yeah. down and have no choice, and just say, "Give me your seven best dishes." Yeah, here's yeah. my money. Fucking impress me. And that's, that's it. So <laughs> I'm only having four chefs in the kitchen. So I know now I've only got seven dishes plus a cheese course we work, we're going to work on and then a couple of snacks and a pay for at the end to work mm-hmm. on. Whereas if I had more chefs, then I can, when I've when I when I got the capacity to get more chefs, then I might do 10 courses because then I've got mm-hmm. another chef to help prep them extra courses. But as it stands, I'm going to have seven dishes, then some snacks now. And each, so each chef then, including myself, has only got to do two or three dishes each. Whereas you do an a la carte menu, you've got a larder section, a garnish section, a sauce section, a pastry section, a canopy section, and they've all got five, six dishes each to prep. And it becomes sort of like, you need you need more chefs then to do it. So for me, having, again, the word I said earlier, restraint to sort of strip it back and bring it back, it sort of works in, it, it, it's not just for, it works in terms of business model, in terms of your style of food. There's more than one reason to just do a tasting menu. It's sort of business decisions as well as, I don't know, quality. Yeah. Is it but a large restaurant? 26 seats. So it's small as it goes. But that's quite helpful though because you only have to find twenty six customers. So that's it, yeah. You only have to find twenty six people who want a tasting menu. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? So, so it's if like you're a big restaurant, you might have to. I can see, but the kitchen's open plan. I can see every, I can see every seat in the restaurant. Well, there's no seats there at the minute, but when it, when it's there, I'll be able to see every seat in the restaurant. You you, you try and please too many people, and you please no exactly, one. Exactly, yeah. You. Know and food is such a subjective thing. You can't, you ain't going to please everybody. Like, mm-hmm. I know, if, I've had I've had conversations with guests afterwards and they might have said something wasn't right or they might not have liked something. Some of them are just saying, some of them get it and they say, I just think like that. It's my personal thing. Other people are trying to tell you it's wrong and I'm like, it's not wrong. <laughs> and you're not wrong for not liking it, but just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's wrong because food's subjective. And I know what's right and wrong about the food that I'm serving. So if I knew it was wrong, then I'd, I wouldn't probably wouldn't say I guess it was wrong, but I know that another twenty people had that dish exactly the same as them. Mm. So food's subjective at the end of the day, same as music and football yeah, football it's refereeing opinion, decisions. Isn't it? It's yeah. an opinion, isn't it? Why the name Tufts? So well, it's a bit tongue in cheek for two reasons really. So my dad's one of ten from 
Chardin in Birmingham. Um, obviously, my surname's Palmer. Back when they was growing up, there was a brand of confectionery called Palmer's, but they made a lot of toffee, so it was Palmer's Toffee. And then they was all nicknamed Toffee then, basically. Like he's got six sisters and three brothers, but all the all the brothers were named nicknamed Toffee, so then it was shortened to Toff. And then start of last year, sort of when I was leaving Hampton, my dad was going through bowel cancer, so he was quite ill. Even though now you wouldn't think there was, you wouldn't have known there was, even when he was going through it, wouldn't have known there was fuck all wrong with him. He was one of them old school blokes, just gets on with it. And um, so we sort of, obviously there's a bit of a scare in the family and I was already sort of having this decision to come to this and that's where the name come from, Toffs. And then Solly was known for being a bit toffy, like it's posh, so it sort of works, it just works. And people love it. I've even spoke to some like, really like, Solid hull people like posh mm. Nolan Dorich people, and they sort of love the name of it because it's sort of they know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that's where the name comes from. And that's where, if you've, I don't know if you've seen the branding, there's a little suite in the O for the, for the branding, yeah, that's sort of where it comes from. You've completely self funded this, you have a, yeah. So, a few family members chucking in. So, my dad's my parents have helped me. My dad's sort of a 40 odd year Land Rover stalwart with a decent pension, so mm. he's sort of helped me. Um, and told me I don't need to pay him back until the business is making money because he's either happy and comfortable now. Let's go on, well, not so much since COVID, but they go on three or four holidays every year. He's retired now. Um, so basically, I said, just pay us back when, when you can, when the business is ready. So I've got a good chunk of it out of that. And, um, and then obviously, prices have gone up and everything, and I'm over budget, but then I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back to my mum and dad and put more pressure on them. So because I haven't got any i have gone and got some sort of some funding but through my own sort of loan i've sort of loan a loan out to do it so i've not was that a conscious decision though not to go through funding because you must have had people lined up i'm sure like, i've had offers. I had a few offers yeah i had a couple of offers i've had a, a guy who's helped me out with my um my branding and my website and that who's helped me sort of he's done that sort of as, as mates rates so, and all i've got to do is look after him when he comes into the restaurant like he'll be said pay for all my drinks when i come in but for a Whenever I come in, just sort of sort me out. I said, that's fine by me. there every Friday and Saturday now. But do you know what, though? I, this, this was my worry because my missus don't know him. And she was like, she was like, are you sure you want to do that? I was like, yeah. I said, like, he used to come to Hampton like once, twice a year, maybe, because he's such a busy bloke. Like, he don't get time. So I, I said, yeah, let's do it then. And I don't know. I don't know how much it would have cost me to do. Maybe two, three grand. But, you know, I haven't had to pay for that. But he off, he wanted to invest in me, but it was like he wanted me to buy a property. Mm. to do it he didn't want to do it that way and I said look and then I've had a couple of other offers but I was just like I don't want to work for someone I want to work for myself and I think you get an investor yes they might be a signing investor but you've still got you've still got to show them the figures at the end of the year mm. like, I want to I didn't want that I wanted to sort of be able to say it's mine and you get an investor and the investor's like you know I was chatting to a few people who and I went to the restaurant and they were saying you should have done a la carte yeah that's you know, it and it's just like <laughs> it's one of them so that's why I've sort of said let's do it let's do it it's Mrs. a nice touch it feels like a family business in a it way, is though. very much so like my wife's getting got involved she she was like, not reluctant but she was nervous about it and she didn't really want to do too much but now she thought the more the closer it's got to the date she's like she's probably gonna have to take a month off work to help us get open in front of our staff and that because it's so hard to come by but she's like she's actually coming around to thinking like in a couple of years sort of dropping down and having a lot more involvement in it she's gonna she's a director on the on the of the business but she wasn't going to be involved in a way other than keeping me in tow keeping me in check <laughs> but stop me spending the pennies but um she's actually considering coming into it a little bit more now which was a bit surprised she only said it to me last night she said i think i want to get involved a lot more than i 
initially did and I was like, you sure? I thought we wanted to keep her working so we had that sort of fall back like a guaranteed PAYE salary coming through the door and sort of be a little bit more comfortable but now she's like, I think when we're established she's like probably going to jack her job in and come in and get involved a bit more. I don't know how that'll work but... <laughs> I hope her boss isn't listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think, I think he's been really good to be fair her boss but she's, she's a She's management anyway as well, so um, so she's considering it, but we'll see how it goes. I'd like her to, to be fair. I didn't think I would at first, but just because I think working together. But now we work, we have worked really well together through getting this set up. So um, I did say to her, I said, we're going to shout and argue with each other a lot, but I think we've just got to put it, put it to bed at the end of the day and then just get on with it. But And we have shouted and argued a lot about things, but <laughs> <laughs> it's still going well. Oh, it's so. going to happen anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> without so. a restaurant. Without a restaurant, <laughs> yeah. It's in it work though, like you know, Stu up in um, Docket, like that work. They're a great couple, like as a... yeah. We've seen a couple of couples, and it can Brad and Ollie really at well. Carter's, yeah, they work Brad amazing and, together. Ben and Sophia at um, Le Petit Bois, it does work. Yeah, it? it does. I mean, we don't see what happens obviously when they go out, <laughs> <laughs> but it makes a nice atmosphere in the restaurant. Well, you know, that meant long as well. At least you're getting to see them. Yeah. Well, the thing is. I did, the reason, another reason we didn't was because we got two kids. If I'm at the restaurant all the time, she she needs to be at home. I don't want to be leaving them with grandparents all the time. Yeah. So that's so if she does come in, it'll be for more like the lunch time services. So when it is like the kids are at home, it will be then. So like she will never be involved 100% in the restaurant doing every service because as a family that just don't work. So not trying to put your head on the block here, but. What's the aim? Is it a Michelin star? Yes, it is. But at the minute, I just want to get open and start cooking food and do what. I'm not cooks now for nearly 12 months. Like I did, like I said, I did some pop-ups before Christmas, but it's different. It's a mad cooking. question. Like, how do you, you can't really open aiming for a star. Like, you've you got to do your thing and hope that it's good enough we, to get a star. Well, we won a star at Hampton when I was the head chef there. So why would I not open my own restaurant and not? be lying if i said no yeah so yeah. put my heads on the block now it? so i knew it was a bit of a loaded question there and that's why i leave it to the end you leave them questions to the end if the chef walks out then at least you've still got a whole podcast to go yeah. <laughs> that's one of the first things i learned yeah. that was when does it open when's tufts open it's supposed to be two weeks so yeah. we've got a fully booked restaurant that weekend and the week after to be fair so the week after that i think but um just need my power to be is that every day including the tuesdays pretty much yeah wow. i think there's a couple of seats here and there but i think pretty much yeah i'm glad you're open a tuesday that's a good touch does that any go open tuesdays I'm not anymore no i think every, since covid everyone's gone to four days haven't they but um bad for you but i think for us. <laughs> i think that like i said that will be the plan to try and go to four days eventually i think but i just think opening a new restaurant i think like tom shepherd in litchfield he's started off at five days and he but now he's I think he's stopping Sunday lunches now, isn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah. So, that's the way to so do it, doesn't it? Yeah, Get your star and then that's but it. I Sunday never ever wanted guy. to open Sunday lunch. Oh, I hate Sunday lunches, like working. <laughs> I don't mind going out every now and again, but I think we had it off air about cooking Sunday lunch. Like, yeah. you can cook a Sunday lunch better at home sometimes than going yeah, out. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And as a chef, when you cook Sunday lunch, like at 12.30, it's beautiful, but then come three o'clock when the last guests are saying, it's just not as good as it was at 12.30 because it's, nah. it's, it's just how it works. Yeah, so. that beef's been there a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I, I hate working Sundays and that's head chef per Sundays off and I never wanted to change that. So, yeah. Your own boss, you do as you want now. Yeah, mate. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to bring up or? Um, I don't think so. We've done well over an hour now, you know. So. Have we? Yeah. 
Everyone's you know. that. I know it's bad, so it quick. just flies by. Yeah. So you're yeah. a busy man and uh, yeah. you don't want to take all of your evening. So we've just got some quick questions at the end. Go on, just about you. <clears throat> just a fun way to win the podcast. Fun way to win it's it's just questions. shit I want to know about people. <laughs> um, what's your favourite movie? Uh, Independence Day. The first one. Yeah, Will Smith one. Yeah. What's your favourite TV show? Peaky Blinders has just started again. Isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah even fan. though I'm a Villa fan, Peaky Blinders. <laughs> um, do you have a favourite cookbook? Um, I think Ramsey's Three Star Chef sort of proper opened my yeah. eyes up to sort of the, the world, just of, the world, the culinary yeah, world. culinary world. No, I've had it. I was already obviously I was working before that, but I think I seen that book and I was like, well, and the recipes you can, most of the recipes you can actually do as well. They're like the fat duck book's amazing. Oh, I spent a fortune on it when I couldn't really afford it years ago, but <laughs> even in a professional kitchen, you can't cook half of it. So no, I've bought like... a couple of books like I spent eight quid on the book, yeah. looked at it and gone, I ain't going to be able to cook shit. Yeah, I think I, in terms of sort of making me think about how I cook, I like Ramsey's book, yeah. Cool. Do you have a favourite band or artist? Loads, I'm not indie, so, and rock, so love the Beatles. Yeah. Did you watch the documentary on Be- on Disney? No, I haven't watched it yet. You gotta watch it. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's sort of mental on my, on my to watching watch them come it. out with the songs, man. Yeah, out of the blue, it's crazy good. You know what? I like <clears throat> it. I never got Beatles. Like I never, my family never really listened to Beatles. But when I go to the gym now, I decided to uh, when I'm on the treadmill, just put on an, an old album that I should have listened to but never have. So I stuck on the White album the other day. Yeah, it's good listen. Show. And for the first two songs or three songs, and I was like, "What the fuck is this, man? Where's the hype? I don't get it." And then, like, all of a sudden, then I can't remember what the first song after that was. Then the fourth song, and it was just like, "Oh yeah, this is." What amazes me about it is you listen to it, and you might obviously they've got such a back catalogue and it's like way before my era, but you listen to them, and it's like, still proper relevant now. Some yeah. of the music, like you listen to some of the music, and it's still really especially relevant. the last stuff, yeah. really, really it's still good really stuff. relevant. You can see what people say they sort of invented sort of modern music yeah, yeah the yeah. first song in that album and i'm not is, uh, any USSR. Sort of, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not any music expert. i just like listen to it but you know i can't play any sort of instrument or anything like that no um do you have a favorite beer just a lager it's a normal lager. any yeah. brand um high high craft beer yeah, high, high fan. Uh, <laughs> so there'd be no craft beer at like, <laughs> No, it's unusual yeah. for a chef. You don't ever hear me many craft times. Beer, I find so overrated. That's one of the things, but just normal European lager. Like, I love it. No, I'm not, can't go wrong. What's your favourite big fast food chain? Uh, KFC. Nice. What's your favourite takeaway? Um, Indian. No, I don't know. Not really got one. No. Oh, just any of them, but I love going out for an Indian. Um... Where'd you go Probably strip club burgers at the minute in yeah, Solihull. Yeah, that's a good show. Yeah. Deliveroo. Do you have a local Indian you want to tell us about? That's um, good? Not local to me, to be fair, but local to where I used to live. Kismet in Castle Bramley, Stroke Shard. Someone's told me about that. Yeah, yeah. Glad of work we've told me about yeah. that. It's good. It's um, opposite the Bradford on the Chester mm. Road. Nice. It's decent. Um, what's your favourite dish that you cook at home? Roast chicken and chips. Yeah. yeah Anything special? Head. How do you do it? Nothing. Just roast it. Just roast it. Chips out of salt. Chips, peas, <laughs> home cooked chips. You know, it sounds great. Everyone asks me that, and that, that sort of roast chicken, chips, mayonnaise. Sorted. What would you be doing now if you weren't a chef? Oh, God. I don't know. I could always do a lot. Of, I was always half decent at 
sports. Not really good, but probably some sort of fitness related, even though you wouldn't look at me now and think that. But when I was younger, I was fitter. <laughs> but I don't know. I've never really thought about doing anything else, so it's, nah, it's difficult it's to sort to of answer that question. But yeah. What's your favourite food destination in the world that you've been to? Oh, New York. Yeah. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah, I love New York. Got married there, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah. So the second. First year we went, we got married there. We went to 11 Madison Park. Um, that was insane. Then we went back a couple of years later, then we did uh, three one stars. No, yeah, there was all one stars at the time, but one of them's now a two, the modern at the uh, Museum of Modern Art. And we did River Cafe, which was bang average, to be fair. I can't remember the other place. That must have been bang average as well. But <laughs> yeah, but there's so many places to go in New York where you can find, even if it's not a star, lots of star, lots to go and eat food. It's insane, but yeah. New York, and I went to Franzen in um, Stockholm. Stockholm. Yeah, yeah. And that was a lot. This place comes up a lot. And these questions, what, these, like, these questions, Franzen's come up more than anywhere I think else because it, it got a third star a few years back, didn't it? And did we... you go with the all the rest of the chefs? No, no, I, no I went yeah. the year before that. Oh, I got invited to that, but I couldn't just couldn't make it at oh, the time. Got um, probably couldn't have afforded it either, to be fair, because yeah. I didn't pay. I didn't pay for this. The, James, the owner of Hampton, pay for it. We did Elka. Uh, it's pricey there, isn't it? What's it called? Uh, R&D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was looking at Stockholm. I thought I'd like a, yeah, a weekend in Stockholm. Sweden. I've done uh, Favikon as well. It's gone now, Favikon. That was different. I say it's the best food I've ever eaten, but the whole experience is pretty special. And I think that's where like a grace and savour, what James and the grace and savoury sort of, you got quite a bit. It's the same as me. He says the food wasn't the best food he's ever eaten, but... The package and the inspiration, not the sort of whole experience is what I think has inspired Grace and Savory a little bit at Hampton. Was that the chef who's got his own restaurant again now? Nicholas um, is es- Escadet or something? Oh, no, it's um, Magnus something, Magnus Nielsen. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, I know you're but talking about, yeah. It's in like Arsol to nowhere yeah, in Sweden. Yeah, like, yeah. We had to get a drive to Gatwick to get a plane from Gatwick to Stockholm and then Stockholm on another plane from Stockholm to somewhere else and then another three hour three or four hour drive then to get there and it's oh. literally in the middle of fucking nowhere. I looked at a weekend, the flights are alright, the hotels are alright, but then the food is ridiculous. So I was like, yeah. oh well, I can't go to that because I wanted to get Esca there and uh, um the other one friends in. I was like, Yeah, I could do that in a weekend. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> do you have a favourite restaurant or bar in Birmingham? Um Bar's a good show. Yeah. Food's great as well. Yeah. You know, it's craft beer. There's one, one I was going to say, you said no to craft there's beer. There's one on there that I don't mind. I can't remember what it's called, though. I normally remember it when I get there. Yeah. yeah. Nice. The purity lager, isn't it? Got it was unfiltered lager. That's nice. I don't think it's that. I don't know. No. Right. Awesome. That's my question. Happy with that? Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks thank very much, Rob. Yeah, no, thank no you problem. very much for coming on. Best of luck with Toffs. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Not just saying that because you you're sitting there. As soon as you get in. Uh, Something exciting in Solio, man. And it's it's best of luck for it. Yeah. Thank you very much. No Appreciate problem. It. Cheers. Cheers for having me.